so here we go. We are uh, in week two of this new series um, on, uh, on the book of Ephesians. Al kicked it off for us last week, and I get to jump in at uh, chapter one and uh, begin to journey a little bit through that. I'm going to speak for about 15 minutes, not maybe not even that long, and then we're going to be getting ready to go into our Zoom uh, rooms together. So just a reminder, if you're watching us on YouTube, um, it would be great for you to join us. It would be great for you to be able to join in with some discussion and some interaction, building our connection together as God's family at the end of this message. So um, I'm going to do some sharing of screens, and I hope you will all be able to see what's going on. But the, uh, the outline that we are using for uh, this series is these three words, sit, walk, and stand. And a, uh, a 20th century uh, Chinese theologian called Watchman Nee coined these, uh, these three words to kind of summarize the whole message of the book of Ephesians. And uh, as it says there, we're, we're going through this book of Ephesians and heading towards maturity. The whole process of Christian maturity kind of is summed up in these three words where we sit uh, in on the knowledge of who we are. We then walk out in our Christian life and we interact with the world around us. And then we stand against the, uh, the, the enemy who comes against us, stand against the devil. So um, we're going to today... Uh, and for the next few weeks, be focusing in on this first of the three words, sit, which is uh, all about our position in Christ. Um, this is the, the majority of the book of Ephesians actually focuses on this. This would be the first three uh, chapters or so, chapters one to three. Then the next bit, which we'll get to just before Easter, uh, about our life in the world. How do we walk out this identity in the world around us. That's chapters four and five. And the final bit, chapter six, focuses on our attitude towards the enemy. How do we stand? How do we withstand his attacks against us? But it is so vital that we get this first bit absolutely right. In fact, all the stuff that God was saying today, I think the, the key theme that I was picking up and that someone uh, messaged in there is that our God is the God who wants to silence fear. Now, if you are experiencing fear in any form today, then the reason for that is you need to come back to the truth of your identity, the fact that you are rooted and grounded in him. You need to sit down into his arms, into the the position that he has created for you and know that you are safe. As, uh, as that book of Haggai says, my spirit remains amongst you. Do not fear. If, if you're experiencing fear, if you're experiencing anxiety, hopelessness, despair, anger, frustration, any of those things, indeed our emotions are great signposts for us. I think our emotions can uh, sometimes just kind of raise a red flag and say to us, hey, you need to get back into that place of knowing who you are and whose you are. The fact that you belong to the king, the fact that you are deeply and passionately loved by him. Come back to that place where you are seated with Christ and you will be free from fear. Fear will not be able to hold on to you anymore. That's where uh, the Lord wants us to, to start our journey. And um, so I was, I was given the first 14 verses 
of Ephesians chapter 1. You can follow along at home if you've got your Bible there, your laptop, Bible, whatever form of Bible you've got. Um, but actually, I'm going to really only focus in on verses 3 to 6, because this whole chapter, and to be honest, the whole book of Ephesians, is massively, massively rich. There is so much material in there. And um, I don't know, you may already have heard this from somewhere else, but the, the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1 is actually one long sentence in the original Greek language. It's as if the Apostle Paul, when he sat down to write this letter to his friends in Ephesus, it was as if his spirit just exploded with passion towards his, uh, his recipients. And it was as if just everything that was in his heart that he wanted them to know, it just rushed out of his, not out of his mouth, but out of his pen or out of his quill, I suppose, and onto that parchment so that people could receive this incredible revelation of the glory of their salvation, of the, of the knowledge of what Jesus Christ has done for them. So as I was looking through uh, various different translations of these first 14 verses, uh, my, my, uh, I was drawn particularly to the Passion Translation version uh, in these verses three to six. So I'm going to share those with you again on the screen. And what I'd love us to do is just, just let some of this biblical truth sink into your soul um, as we go through today. So here is uh, verse three. I just want to read it to you and then reflect a little bit as we go. Ephesians 1 verse 3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. Just, just look at those little bits that I've highlighted there. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon you. It's not just out there somewhere in the distance for when you finally leave this world and go to be with Jesus in heaven. The spiritual blessings that Christ has won for you have already been lavished upon you. And that last little verse there, the Father sees you wrapped into Christ. I just love the way those words express it. It is as if Christ himself has enveloped you into himself and you have become so entwined with him, so one with him, that all of his glory is now surrounding and pervading every part of who you are. That's just one verse. It's so rich. There's so much stuff in here. Let's look at um, verse Four. And he, the Father, he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. Just get that into your mind as well. You were chosen before the Lord laid the foundations of the universe. So before you could do anything right or before you could do anything wrong, it's not based on your performance. It's not based on who you are. It's not based on the kind of week that you've just had or the kind of year that you've just had. It's because he chose you in love. 
long before anything existed. He looked into eternity and he said, I want that one. I want to, I want to adopt and join that one to myself. And just look at those last two words of verse four. This is the way the Lord looks at you and me today. He sees you with unstained innocence. I don't know when you look at yourself in the mirror. Do you, do you look at yourself and see unstained innocence, absolute perfection? But the Father sees you that way. In his eyes, he looks at you and says, wow, unstained innocence because of Christ, because of what Christ has won and made possible for you and me. That's the way he looks at you today. Again, just bask in that one for a moment or two. It's, it's so incredibly good. And here's Ephesians 1 verses 5 and 6. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love that he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Again, the underlying bits. His perfect plan, the perfect plan of the perfect God of all eternity is to adopt you, to bring you into his family and to, to call you his delightful child. You're not just acceptable. You're not just reasonable. You're not even just good. You are delightful in his eyes. And that has been his perfect plan from all eternity. And now, today, the same love that he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for you. Yes, that, that's, that's what the Bible says. Um, please don't try arguing with it. This is eternal God's own truth. He looks at you and he looks at Jesus and he says, I have the same love for you as I have for my son. The same, the same. The Greek word same means the same. It's, it's just the same. He looks at Christ. He looks at you. He says, I love you. I love you. It, I absolutely love you. This, this truth needs to get under our skin. Somehow, I know from my own experience, I downplay that. And I say, well, surely he must love Jesus more. No, scripture, Ephesians 1 verse 6 says he loves us with the same love. It's, it's profound. It's absolutely life-changing. Now, what I want us to do today for a little while is just to drill into this whole concept of adoption. And uh, adoption in first century Roman culture, which is the culture that, that Paul is writing to, um, had such a profound meaning. It's a profound thing in 21st century Western culture, but in first century Roman culture, there was something that the Apostle Paul saw in the expressed Roman culture of the day. And he said, wow, that, that actually is a brilliant metaphor for what God has done for us. Because there, was, there, was some, there were some very specific traits and some very specific truths 
in the process of Roman adoption that we need to get hold of today to understand, to kind of elevate our understanding of what it means to have been adopted by the king of all kings. So we're going to jump into just three different things here that Roman adoption means and means for you and I today. Let's jump back to screen sharing again for a second. Here's the first one, our astonishing adoption number one. My entire life prior to the moment of adoption is done away with as if it never happened. Now, this was true in first century Roman context. If an individual was in debt, if an individual had committed crime, if an individual had a terrible reputation in the community, and uh, you know, was, was known to be X, Y, and Z, the moment that person was adopted into a new family, everything that went before disappeared. Legally speaking, the old life of that individual ceased to exist. It was not in the legal record. It, it could not be accessed. It could not be drawn upon to accuse that individual ever again. Again, let that sink in. This is the truth that, that the Apostle Paul saw in the Roman rite of adoption. And he said, this is what God has done. This is what God has done for you, believers in Ephesus. This is what God has done for you, believers in Bishop Storford. Everything of your life prior to the moment of faith, prior to the moment where you were drawn into the family of the King of Kings, has been done away with. I want you to watch something for a second. I'm going to flip over to a, a new share. I want you to watch this short 15-second video. Here it comes. Did you enjoy that? My little friend, the rat. Um, I, uh, I know some of you absolutely detest rats, but I think that one was particularly cute, standing there in a sink, washing itself. I just want you to grasp this morning that you may have once been a rat, you may have once been a disgusting little creature, but God has not washed you up to make you acceptable. He's not put the, the fairy liquid on your head and told you to give yourself a good old scrub and you'll be okay. It's not that at all. Your entire old life before faith has gone. It's gone completely. Some very well-known verses um, again, from the New Testament, I just want us to get this into our hearts. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a brand new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. 
the gospel is a is good news it's not a good process it's not that you hear it and then you start scrubbing yourself and making yourself clean it's a good proclamation even in again in roman times the evangelist the person who was the one entrusted with bringing the good news that was the person who ran from the field of battle and came to the city and made a proclamation and the proclamation was we have won it's finished and so for you and i today we need to receive this proclamation over ourselves my old life is finished i am not a cleaned up rat i am a brand new creation in christ jesus this is who i am and this can never be challenged let's jump on to number 2 our astonishing adoption number 2 my adoption can never under any circumstances be undone it was it was legally impossible for a child who had been adopted to ever be unadopted in fact if i as a father had a natural born child and then adopted another child I could legally choose to distance myself from my naturally born child. I could choose to give that child away, but I could not get rid of my adopted child. So the apostle Paul saw the strength of this truth and he said that is what God has done. Once you have become part of God's family, he will never cast you away. You will you can never become unpart of the family there is no opt out and in fact there was part of the process when the adoption was being finalized where you would go to a magistrate and they would enact this strange little ceremony which we now have got in our western world auction process where they would have a uh, a little bag of coins and the person who was um uh, selling or or doing the transaction giving the person to be adopted would be presented with these coins the first time oh no no I'm not going to take them the second time no I'm not going to take them the third time done and today for you and I in our western world we need to understand that in the great auction room of heaven the lord god almighty has said it is done We need to hear the gavel of heaven fall upon our lives and recognize that the king of all kings has said it's done the purchase is complete it will not be taken away i want you to hear the proclamation of the king of kings where he says now you belong to me you are mine and it cannot will not ever be undone thirdly and finally going to try and move really quickly here my adoption has given me equal rights and privilege privileges access and authority as any other child within heaven's family any other child who is the primary other child in heaven's family it's jesus and your and my adoption into the family of god has given me equal rights equal privileges equal access and equal authority as Jesus has within heaven's 
family. There's no hierarchy in the courts of heaven. This is the, the glory that Jesus has won for us. And again, in, at the time when the book of Ephesians was written, the Roman emperor was the emperor Nero. You may have heard of him. He was a, a chaotic ruler who persecuted the Christians of the time absolutely viciously. But the, the, the truth was that Nero himself was adopted by the previous Emperor Claudius. And so in the minds of people in those days, they would have known very clearly he is the emperor because he was adopted. And because he was adopted, he has all the rights and privileges and authority that he now has. And therefore, we have to submit to him. And the same is true for you and I. Because you have been adopted into the family of the King of Kings, all of these rights, privileges, authority and access has been given unquestionably to you. It's a, it's a profound and glorious truth. The things that, that are now yours and mine as adopted children. This is the truth that you and I need to sit down into today and every day. If you're experiencing fear, if you're experiencing anxiety, frustration and pain, come back and sit down into these truths. Let the truth of your adoption enfold you, be wrapped into Jesus, as I think it was verse 3 said to us of Ephesians chapter 1. Here's those three points, one last summary slide for us all to see. Look at this, drink this in, and let this be the, the foundation that holds you today and every day. Number one, all of your broken past is gone forever. Your adoption is eternally secure. And all of heaven's authority and privilege is mine, is yours as a dearly loved child. This is what we're going to sit down into, as it were, in our discussion groups in just a moment. Before I hand back to Peter to guide us into our discussion groups, I just want to pray for us that the truth of what has just been shared will be such a source of confidence and hope and joy for each and every one of us. Father, my prayer for us, your family today, is that we will be able by your spirit to grasp these truths to grasp the glory that you have won for us. That, Lord God, we are not, as some people would say, sinners saved by grace. I thank you, Lord God, there was a time when we were sinners. But I thank you, Lord God, that you have saved us by your grace and you now see us as your dearly loved, delighted in children. Lord, deliver us from believing less about ourselves than you say is true. And I pray that this will be a source of such strength and security to us as we go forth into this world. That fear will not have a foothold in our hearts. That we will have such joy and such confidence because of what you have done. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of our time together.